Are you good with people? Maybe you're organized or have a knack for numbers. Well, then chances are you've got skills that could lead to a new career. A Google Career Certificate can help you get a foot in the door with top employers in fast-growing fields like IT support, project management, data analytics, and user experience design. It's professional-level training developed and taught by Google employees. And it's all online so you can learn around your schedule. Put your skills to work. Go to grow.google certificates. Faster my crazy day, my packed commute, all those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. Hi, welcome to The Pollsters. I'm Margie O'Mara, Democratic pollster with PSB Research. And I'm Kristen Soltis-Anderson, Republican pollster with Echelon Insights. And each week we bring you the polls driving the news in politics, tech, and pop culture. So we are... On location, well, I guess our, on our own location today, <laughs> which is LA. I wish in we were on sunny vacation. California. We are in my hotel room in downtown LA, uh, recording. We are both here for separate things. So I'm here for KCRW's live show for Left, Right, and Center with Josh Barrow and Gene Sperling and Kelly Goff and all kinds of fun people. So if you are listening to this today, hustle on down to this cool part of town to check us out but um Kristen's here for other stuff and so we decided to record here from LA which is pretty exciting because like it's not there's nothing going on about politics around here it's just people out having fun and driving around and I had a getting major, in a car accident. like what is wrong with my life moment yesterday because I so Manhattan Beach California is my favorite place on the planet if if it's all going down and the zombie apocalypse is coming, like that's where I'm going to spend my last few days right. and to hide out from the monsters. Or like if I'm on the run for the law, like you'll find me checked in under that's an alien at Shade Hotel in Manhattan <laughs> if, Beach. Like, if you're on the run from the law, the law, the law, <laughs> the, the law's gone. Everything's gone upside down. You never know. <laughs> um, so we're in Manhattan Beach, and me being a DC person, just sort of assumed that like, oh, I'll find a bar with the debate on. <laughs> Wrong. I go to this bar. The what? It's, it's, it's this beautiful on? place. It's called the Strand House. It's like right on the. It's right on the water in Manhattan Beach. It's like this kind of like higher end, you know, whatever. I I think that there was. I saw some like tabloid story about like like Clippers players getting in a fight there or something. I don't know. Anyhow, so I go into Strand House and I'm like. So I and so the other thing is that the Dodgers were playing the Cubs last right. night. So I was like, okay, I already knew this was kind of a long shot. And I said, look, you guys have a ton of TVs. Is there any way that one of them could be on the debate silently just with closed captions? And the guy looks at me like, oh, honey. And he's like, <laughs> our manager has specifically said that we want this to be a sort of a politics free atmosphere. Wow. So I'm sorry. Like, who are you, sad girl, wow. that you are here in this beautiful place and you want to watch this horror show? Not on my bar. Not on my bar. Oh so my I God. walked out like, and he was, he was just like, so like, ugh, and like sad for me. <laughs> I'm like, slink <laughs> out. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go use a lot of data and just sit on the beach and stream it on my phone until yeah. the sun sets. And, and then, even your phone was like, I want to be a safe space. Yeah. <laughs> your phone was, was like, I had it. <laughs> I was there with Victor, my echelon colleague and, uh, one of my, one of my good guy friends, Matt. 
Uh, and we, we wound up walking up to an ice cream parlor. Like I'm standing in line at the ice cream parlor, like watching this on my phone thinking like, I'm going to order ice cream and sit outside on the beach and that's going to make this better. And I, I don't know if it actually made the experience that much better. (laughs) Well, I, um, I watched the debate with two of my girlfriends who live out here and who both used to work at the news hour. So they are political folks. And, uh, and then I was exhausted. I'm like, I'm too tired. I've been on a flight. It's East Coast time. I got to go back to my hotel. And I checked in. I said, I need a wake up call at 1.15 because I had to do NPR this morning, (laughs) like 20 minutes away. And they said, girl, what has gone wrong in your life? (laughs) And I said, I got to talk about the debate. And they're like, what? (laughs) Like, it just made no sense whatsoever. So we both had some sad tales. But we're we're here and day is now sunny. I feel like we're pretty clearly not in a swing state, though, for people to be so totally disconnected from the but election. we are in a ballot measure state. Because That's true. My favorite is that when you're driving into LAX, there are two billboards right next to each other that say yes on 61 and no on 61. And there's a zillion rate. I mean, it's just all wall to wall radio ads mm-hmm. for every single thing that's on the ballot. So I, we don't envy you. That's a lot of stuff to remember how to vote for yeah. um, or do polling for. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> call us. Um, but anyway, there's a lot of other news besides what Chris and I are doing in California. So... I think only one song, though, can really summarize what we learned from last night. Yes, Miss Nasty Woman gave that bad ombre a beat down. <laughs> what are the top lines from that, for this week? Oh. Well, if you watched every debate, including the undercards, that is over 50 hours of your life that you will never get back. But hey, we're done. Woo-hoo! We're in the home stretch, guys. So we're going to talk a little bit about what the polls look like as we head into the final laps of this race. Um, we'll talk about whether or not Trump's allegations that this election is rigged are the sorts of things that people agree with. Um, we'll do a brief McMuffin alert and let you know what's going on down ballot with some of these Senate races. Um, is, the, is Trump actually transforming the GOP into the sort of party that accepts affairs, Vladimir Putin? How do you poll on Trump's potty mouth? Things like groping. We'll talk about the polling that's come out on Trump's problems with women and a whole lot more. So uh, the first thing that I think kind of frames up what's going on pretty nicely is this Pew poll that I just can't get enough of, which is 81% of Americans think that the candidates don't even agree on the basic facts. Um, they don't just disagree over policies, but they can't even agree on the facts. And that seems like just kind of how we can think about everything because there's just two different electorates and how they view everything. One thing that there was some consistency for though, this is also from Pew is on um, fact checking. And I thought that the debate last night was actually incredibly well run. I thought it was, you know, really great. I think everyone can agree that how well run the debate was and how great the moderator was. Good job, Chris Wallace. Chris Wallace did a really good job um, of like the right amount of fact checking. Like he didn't barge in and say, hey, I have this thing from, you know, two years ago where you said this. He didn't really do so much of that. He let the candidates do it, but he was still had a heavy hand. I mean, it just, it all worked out very nicely, but there is bipartisan agreement that there should be fact checking on whether or not candidates say inaccurate things, which I think is actually good news. There's partisan, um, 
divide, though, on whether or not the news media should emphasize offensive statements, whether they should give extra coverage when candidates say something really offensive. And that you see Clinton voters saying, yes, we should have that. And Trump voters saying, well, I don't know, maybe we shouldn't emphasize when people say offensive things. Um, so that's one of those things. I don't know if what, what comes first, the chicken or the egg there, but it is quite interesting view toward fact checking. So anyway, that's the poll of the week. What do we think we've learned so far in terms of the polling from the debate last night? Well, uh, again, the snap polls, you know, they're just a brief snapshot of what we think might have happened. And it does not appear here that a lot of minds were really changed. CNN's post-debate poll has Clinton winning 52 to 39. YouGov's had roughly the same result, 49 to 39. It wouldn't surprise me if this breaks down almost entirely along the lines of who people were already voting for. If you were already voting for Trump, you probably thought he won. If you were voting for Clinton, you probably thought she won, which I think in the aggregate means this is a loss for Trump, not only because more voters pick Clinton than Trump, but because he needed something to change the game. Right. He's down. He's down in so many state polls. He's down in national polls by wide enough margins that he needs a game changer if he wants to win this election. And this debate was a chance for one. And he didn't get one. No, I, I mean, I think that's clear. And, I, I, you know, obviously it takes a little while for the debate news to marinate. But I don't think the debate news is going to tell a different story. I mean, even Trump, I mean, he tweeted out at 3 a.m. that he won the debate. I guess he found some kind of his cockamamie online poll farm, you know, <laughs> that he can rely on. But that's kind of Did you see, by the way, that Clinton supporters were trolling by, like, Clinton was winning the Breitbart poll last night. Like people had, no, people had like that. wised up. Yeah. As I was going to bed, I noticed people tweeting out like screen grabs from Breitbart that enough Clinton supporters had gone to Breitbart. That's good. Good job, everybody. Well, there was something, this is not in our script, but somebody did tweet at us that, uh, there, somebody did an analysis that there are more bots following Trump and his Twitter followers than Clinton, which I guess is not a surprise. Yeah. I've always sort of, this was something we joked about in the office like a year ago. It was like one day, like when when Halperin and Heilman write their book, like one of the chapters is going to be like the story of how like one of Trump's associates paid off a bot farm or something like that's totally going to be out there. And then there were all of these instances where we'd noticed like different accounts tweeting identical things like mm. and they were all accounts that kind of had the same like the whole account was like, I'm a mom of three and a hashtag MAGA going to take America back from those who don't want to destroy my country. Like, that's the Twitter bio. Like, you signed up for Twitter just because of Trump. Right. Just to troll the world. And you happen to be tweeting the exact same things as, like, these five other accounts. It's just a coincidence. Mm, that's kind of weird. It's just a coincidence. Well, here's another alternative that Trump could do, I guess. And, so, and If you can't win the election by persuading hearts and minds, you can persuade people that the that the vote doesn't mean anything that the vote is rigged. And this is something we've seen him flirting with for a while. His own campaign manager, Kellyanne Conway, former guest co-host of the pollsters, his own VP pick and all his circuits have said, uh, that's not what he means. He really means something else. He doesn't really mean that the election's rigged. But he's like, no, I really do mean that the, no, I mean ballots. I don't mean just in theory it's rigged. I don't just mean that the media has it out for me. Well, and last night he added a new layer to this, which is sort of the, the way he attacked the legitimacy of Obama's presidency by saying Obama is not legitimately eligible to be president, right. the whole birther stuff. So in last night's debate, he said Hillary Clinton should not legitimately be allowed to run for president because she's a criminal. Right. So this was this was him merging the lock her up with right. the rigged election just into like one 
one sentence. Right. Someone beautifully inaccurate made up crazy sentence. And, you know, now we are, and we've talked about this a lot, like, how is this election force pollsters to ask questions that we would not normally ask? So Pew asks, is it important for the candidate to publicly concede if they lose? So it turns out people think, yes, it is important. It's In fact, most people think it's very important. In fact, a majority of Trump supporters think it's very important. Sorry, I thought it was a bug. I mean, it is a bug, but it's a fly. It's a fly. I've been, I've been doing battle <laughs> okay. with that fly. I thought it was like we're a way scarier Kristen. bug than okay, a fly. I'm in Hen- no, my- <laughs> I'm all hyped up on coffee bean. I got a lot of hipsters are. We right got to put up with some flies, okay? <laughs> <laughs> we're not in, uh, you know, we're not in the fancy part of town. Um, so, uh, so anyway, so that's something that Pew asked. Morning Console and Politico asked about, um, do you feel that the votes will be counted accurately? And you had more people say that their own ballots would be counted accurately than think that ballots nationwide would be counted accurately. Um, but there's a wide divergence here based on party and who you're voting for. I mean, you have Trump voters be like, oh, just about basically evenly divided between whether they're confident that the ballots nationally will be counted accurately or not confident which is pretty troubling. Um, do you know, there was another question. Do you think that raising questions about the democratic process and accuracy of the election results is necessary or dangerous? But and- the way this is framed, you wind up with majorities of all parties saying it's, it is necessary to raise these questions. And the way it's framed, it gives an opening for both Trump and yeah. Clinton supporters to say yes, because it says the it's framed necessary because the election could be compromised by mm. voter fraud or a foreign government so depending on if you're a trump supporter you're probably more likely to think it's voter fraud if you're a clinton supporter at this point you're more likely to say foreign government but it gives sort of opportunities here so really i mean i think the way that question is worded the the problem is not raising questions about whether the election will be accurate i think the the problem is assuming that Already, the election has no way of being legitimate before the ballots are cast. That's what's dangerous. So that result doesn't surprise me because the way it's worded, it makes it very easy to say, like, yes, of course, you should raise questions about the integrity. Sure. Why not? Yes. Let's have an open mind. Okay, but here's a question that puts has a little bit more on the nose. Donald Trump has said the election could be stolen from him as a result of widespread voter fraud. Let's not be around the bush here with the questions. Let's get right to it. And do you agree or disagree with his statement? So we're not it's not a theory. It's not Russia. It's not just elections in general or, you know, who knows what direction of the the rigging is going to go. And here a plurality well, you have a majority of Republicans saying, yeah, I strongly or somewhat agree it could be stolen from him. Um, 35% say strongly agree. 38% say somewhat agree. I mean, that's a lot of Republicans who say they agree in some way that the election could be stolen because of voter fraud, not because the media hates him or because Clinton's got more money or whatever. Um, so that is that is pretty troubling. Um and, you know, we're not going to get to all this today, but there's, you know, Democrats argue with a lot of merit. I think that this is not this isn't just happened in the last couple of weeks. This is part of, uh, you know, something that's been going on for years where, you know, Republicans have been seeding some doubt as of whether or not elections are accurate or whether there's, you know, voter fraud or whether, you know, people are voting too many times. And, you know, so you, this is not like this is the, the first time we've ever had this conversation about voter fraud. And it's always happened in this kind of similar way. So I 
think that's part of what we're seeing here. But obviously, Donald Trump has taken it to a whole. Well, yeah, new, and this I, I was turned am- it up to eleven. I was amused in the debate that he brought that they brought up the Emmys thing. We're like <laughs> he like this is not the first time Donald Trump has claimed an election was stolen from him. So Donald Trump's just not not a great loser. It's just not he's not it's not a skill he has. No. Being good at losing. Well, we're going to find out, I think, um, exactly how good of a loser he'll be. But we'll talk about the map and where it is in a well, little bit. Well, this final question in this morning consult poll that is extremely relevant to our interests is, do you think that the public polls in the 2016 presidential race are generally accurate, biased in favor of Clinton or biased in favor of Trump? Um, or you don't know and have no opinion. And Democrats, a majority, think that the polls are generally accurate. While for independents, they're fairly split. About 28% say accurate, 29% say biased in favor of Clinton, 37% don't know. But then six out of 10 Republicans think the polls are biased in favor of Hillary Clinton. So, mm. wow. Yeah. And what's, what's particularly funny is had you asked me that poll, I can actually make a case for biased in favor of Donald Trump, like a methodologically sound case right on the grounds that the types of people that vote for donald trump are super easy to pull right and the types of people that will be voting for hillary clinton are much harder to reach but what about the secret so, trump voters who are so mortified by their nominee that they're all going to vote in droves i guess that's the theory what about those folks that they're too embarrassed to tell an online pollster the that they're voter voting? registration statistics do, do not, not suggest that they these do folks not are that. showing up exactly so, you know this is definitely reinforces what we talked about i think last week that was in Washington Post uh, monkey cage blog where people doubted the accuracy of polls that said that the other candidate was winning. So you see that a little bit here. But it, what's interesting is that there's no group who thinks that the polls are biased in favor of Donald Trump, aside from not, the all important Kristen Soltis. Well, I, I don't think, right, you don't that, think they that they are, but you, I could possible. make a, a non emotional case. Yes. That is not like. Yeah, I could make a case for but, why that would be. You know, what's interesting is because you have this single digit, I mean, that means people are following the polls enough to know that the polls show him down. You yeah. know, Th- so that's that fact that people find that not at all credible is interesting. Because if you were just watching media, if you were like looking at the race based on sort of how much news you're getting, you would think Donald Trump is more in it. But I guess people are following it so closely they know what's happening. Um, so then one of the other issues that came up is this whole issue of, Putin and Russia. I mean, it, it was kind of incredible that the phrase was uttered. No, you're the puppet. <laughs> Just like, puppets, nasty gals, hombres. I mean, it sounded like it's kind of the language you hear at a play date, a preschool play. No, you're the puppet. Um, rather than a debate between two presidential candidates. Um, and there was mar- morning consult Politico polling on this that we pushed out this week. I mean, what did you think when you looked at this about how? Republicans view views toward Putin and whether or not they think Russia is an ally. Oh, sorry. I scrolled down too far. No, um, no that's okay. I'm looking at the wrong part. Um, oh, so yeah, this is uh, whether it, I, I'm lumping the, the Russia stuff and some of this like groping affairs, all this stuff into one bucket in my mind, not because they're the same issue, but because you're seeing similar trends with how both that in both cases, you have attitudes and views that Republicans would have been very opposed to, I think, a year or two ago. That now, because Donald Trump has pushed things in one direction, people are following the leader. Right. And now, all of a sudden, the party of Ronald Reagan, the party that stood up to Russia in the Cold War, now has a more positive view of Putin, I think, yeah. than 
you would have expected. And I think if you go to the article, and we'll link to it, that Trump voters feel a little bit more, and they don't break Trump voters out in the tabs, but they do in the article, that Trump voters feel strong, stronger toward Russia than do Republicans overall. Right. That, that normally I would have expected to see much more of a party divide with Republicans being much, much, much more strongly opposed to Russia just because of historical, like, Cold War, fight the commies. And like, remember, four years ago, Mitt Romney got blasted because he said Russia is our number one geopolitical foe. And And people on the left were like, ha ha ha, you're so stuck in the Cold War. That's so stupid. And now... We're like, wait, no. <laughs> let's save us, mittens. Save us. <laughs> wait, well, hold on. Let's do that whole conversation again. Let's take it from the top. Yeah, I mean, and the other thing, too, is going back to this having your own facts thing. If you look at the overall numbers, you know, a plurality, like a slight plurality, 39% think Russia's trying to influence the results of the election. But that comes very much from Democrats. Half of Democrats feel that way. If you look at Republicans, they're more evenly divided between yes, no, and I don't know if Russia is is um, uh, trying to influence the results. And Democrats are more likely to say that if they are trying to influence the results, we should take some sort of economic sanctions against Russia than than Republicans are. So again, this is, you know, an interesting view, difference in view toward the facts and toward openness toward Russia in general. Um, and it also goes to show what the power of a presidential campaign and candidate can have. I mean, normally... You have a lot of groups and you have campaigns try to think about what issues they want to talk about, whether it's going to be taxes or immigration or women's health or, you know, the minimum wage. And instead, this is where Trump has had a lot of real influence is warming up uh, Republican voters toward Putin and toward Russia is kind of an interesting slash sad uh, development. So then, of course, there's the groping. Oh, God. So on this question, um, you have YouGov framed their question as a video emerged of Donald Trump talking about grabbing women's genitals and how he would kiss women without waiting. Without waiting for what, though? That's like without waiting for consent, I guess. Is there some crucial words left out of there? So many challenges. How you word a starter gun or like for a drink to arrive? Like what exactly? Uh, Do you think that this type of talk is normal for men or is not normal for men. And in the YouGov poll, not normal for men, majorities of men and women both said it, not as huge a gender gap. In the ABC Washington Post poll, it was framed a little bit differently. It was instead framed, and I don't know if we have the actual language here, um, but in, oh, it was it was framed as, do you think Trump, uh, they asked, have, do you think he has probably made unwanted sexual advances toward women said yes. Um, But then most of them said this tape is not going to make a difference in how I vote. Um, And they they asked a locker room talk question in that same poll. And it was, do you think that Trump's comments are typical locker room talk by men or do his comments go beyond how men typically talk about women? And in this one, again, you have that 52%, that slight majority saying this goes beyond how what is normally done. But among Republicans, two thirds think this is typical locker room talk. So I think there's a lot going on here. So first, I think you can think that this is common and inappropriate at the same time. You can think, yeah, men are disgusting. They talk about this a lot. There's a lot of <laughs> groping going on. There's a lot of sexual abuse going on. We're going to talk about that, Gallup. We don't hate men, but... 
we're don't be saying, gross, We're guys. just saying this is what a, vo- a thought bubble over a voter, <laughs> right? They could think, yes, men do this sort of thing. It is common. It is also bad. You can have those two positions in your head at the same time. They're not mutually exclusive. They are. You can hold them both. So I think saying, is this typical locker room talk or is it common? I mean, or is it beyond what men usually do? I think that's just one piece of this kind of conversation, right? The other one is, you know, do you think he actually, the question that was in the Washington Post ABC poll, do you think he actually did that? And on this question, there is not a lot of difference by party. That's what's interesting. So do you think Trump probably has or has not made sexual advances toward women? There's a party difference here, to be sure. But half of Republicans say, yes, he has, and half say, you know, he has not or I'm not sure. So the difference is not on the whether or not they think he has. It's on the whether or not they think it matters to them. So that's an- yet another layer to the question. Yeah, And 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 one of the reasons why. So Trump is, is not doing well in the polls overall, but he was already not doing so great in the polls before all this stuff. happened. Right. And so in the ABC poll, it showed 64 percent of people saying this doesn't make any difference. Um and that the really the only group that says this will make me less likely to vote for Trump is Democrats. Right. Guess what, guys? They right. weren't voting for Trump already. And NBC finds sort of the same thing. They say, does the 2005 tape make you more likely to support Trump, less likely to support Trump or no difference? Again, there you have 65 percent of Democrats saying I'm less likely to support Trump. But if you already weren't supporting Trump. You're not any less. Yeah. Does that actually affect things? So, right. There are no single, there are no Democrats who are going to vote for Trump, but now they're not like that. I mean, there's somebody out there, but not a whole lot. Yeah. So the, I mean, the question is then the 12% of Republicans and the 31% of independents who says they are now less likely to support Trump. Were they supporting him and this flipped their mind? Were they undecided and this put them out of reach for him? Or were these also hashtag never Trump Republicans. They were already voting for McMuffin or Johnson or Clinton or writing in Jeb Bush, Mitt Romney, Dream Team, something like that. Right. So will it affect the vote? I don't know. But Trump needs... It ain't helping. It ain't helping. It ain't helping. And he certainly needs it to help because if you take a look at where the polls sort of stand in some of the swing states, and, and we won't dive too, too deep um, on this, uh, we'll, we'll look a little bit more at instead the down ballot stuff. But like right now, when you talk, talk about a state like Arizona, again, that should be a state that Trump is winning by a lot. He's not. It's extremely close. The polling average there, I think, has it down to like about a point. Um, right. In, in, and I don't think it's fully adjusted for or it doesn't yet reflect all the manpower and woman power that's going out to Arizona. I mean, there's, you know, new amount of resources. The first lady's gone there. Chelsea Clinton. Exactly. Bernie Sanders, et cetera. Um, you know, some of these states like Georgia, uh, Trump has an advantage, but it's a slim one. I mean, there are it's the, the brief McMuffin alert. Uh, there was an Emerson poll that came out yesterday showing Evan McMullen at 31 percent winning the state of Utah. Incredible. My friend Mindy might get electoral votes. That is awesome. This is nuts. Someone in my fantasy football league is going to have votes in the electoral college. <laughs> This is amazing. That is pretty incredible. Um, Now, so, but here's, you know, but here's the thing that I think, like, you know, folks on the left are struggling with, which is why I respect the McMuffin team to say, look, you know, we're standing up for our principles here. You know, folks on the left are looking at some of the contortion that's going around on when it comes to things like Trump and women. When you look at the PRRI, remember Robert Jones was our very first guest on the pollsters, I believe, way back when. Um, They released a poll showing... 
uh, some major movement from 2011 to now on the percent who say an elected official who commits an immoral act in their personal life can still behave ethically and fulfill their duties in their public and professional life. Now, in 2011, fewer than a third of white Evangelical said that you could do those two things at the same time. Now it's almost three fourths. I mean, that yeah. is massive. And I don't, I don't think Huge this came first. I think shift. the support for Trump, just because you're hoping that's going to mean pro-life Supreme Court justices. And so you're just going to, it's a follow the leader thing. And I, I, I was fascinated by this. So sometimes I, when I go on Fox news to do segments, like the topics will be, the topics will always be kind of interesting. I'm always fascinated to see like what angle the hosts want to take on stories. And they wanted one, segment I did last week was they they were talking about this sort of thing and and the topic was do do voters now on the right now accept this sort of thing precisely because of the Clintons from the 90s right that like Bill Clinton he committed affairs but, but like, like that's like another flip but like, they're hey, doing one extra twist right, like on an, there an extra the an extra twist before the landing <laughs> you know well hey bill clinton he had affairs when he was in office and yet the economy was growing and he left office with like a 60 something percent approval rating and so see look america learned that you can have like people who are personally maybe not great but they do good things for the country so it was like trying to make it like actually ironically it was the clintons that made this okay i was i was fascinated by this like angle but it is true that i mean voters knew all that stuff in the star report they knew all that stuff about bills and discretions and yet he still had really high approval ratings and people thought he was doing a good job i mean there's no play i mean the thing with infidelity is there's no playbook right i mean some people make it through some people don't and it doesn't always seem to follow any real pattern. I mean, what's interesting to me, though, is when you have, you know, a group that's so known for as voters to say, no, this This is what we care about. Not only do we care about it for our elected officials, we care about it for you, stranger. You also have to follow these rules or you will also be judged in some kind of policy way Yeah, to then say, well, except not for president this time and not just any old thing. Somebody who's just in completely egregious yeah, on jump every from way. 30% to 72% among white evangelical Protestants accepting this view is right. just astonishing. Right. Unaffiliated. It's, it's kind of great no that they have the ability to trend it over time that I, I'm, 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 I'm trying to figure out what was going on in 2011 that they would have asked this question. Was it, was this like the Mark Sanford stuff? Was this maybe the, there's a, an interesting piece, by the way, up at the Federalist that um, sort of goes over like the stories of women whose husbands have cheated on them while they've been in office and like the Jenny Sanford approach being like so different from others because she had been getting lumped into the like women who stood by their man and like Jenny Sanford did not stand by her man. So like now there are lots of different ways that political wives can handle this. Right. Of course, coming on the heels of Melania giving her interviews where she is standing by her man. Right. Right. I mean, you know, it's obviously incredibly complicated. But you, um, you also now, by the way, have white evangelicals who are less likely to say that strong religious beliefs are very important to the candidate that they choose. That back in 2011, you had two thirds saying that it was very important to them that their president had strong religious beliefs and another 28 percent saying very important and that are somewhat important. Sorry. So very important has fallen from 64 to 49%, less than half. Now say that's important to them. So the interesting thing will be the next time there's a presidential primary or in states that have Senate or congressional primaries in the next, you know, 2018 in the next midterms, are you going to have evangelical 
voters now say, you know what, I'm I'm less interested in having a candidate come here and tell me about their journey, their personal religious journey. I just want to know how they feel about taxes or X, Y, and Z. Um, they don't need to themselves personally, um, you know, follow the same faith as me. I don't know if we're going to see that trend. That's, you know, that's there's a lot TBD there, but it's it would be an interesting development. Um, so, you know, everybody's kind of now you know, Trump's thoughts on rigging aside, people seem to be thinking that the race is now kind of baked in, but what is not baked in is what's going on down ballot and the Senate. And we're going to try to have someone on to talk about Senate and house races soon. We promise. Um, but we have, uh, you know, the latest upshot figures, they now have a 62% chance of Dems winning the Senate. Now, there was a time like about a week or two ago where it was, uh, you know, Republicans were up. If the Republicans were up in terms of their chances of winning the Senate for a while, now it's um, Democrats with a lot of change in some of these key battleground states, particularly Nevada. That's one of the states where that's had the most movement. They have these very cool graphs that are very easy to read. However, they are on completely different, wildly different scales. So go take a look. This is a, a there's data viz crimes going on here. I don't know oh, if it's well. a crime. I, you know, they had a battle between scale and legibility that's and true. like, the, and these beauty. Are the trade-offs and so, you always have to make. And so they look very cool. But then, you know, one goes from three to eight and sort of the same scale as 38, 38 to six. 62. So, but they all look very cool. So take a look. We, we always link to everything in the show notes. So some things have rebounded, like North Carolina rebounded in terms of Democratic chances and also Wisconsin. Other states um, have moved in a real considerable way, like Nevada and New Hampshire and Florida. So we'll see, um, you know, we'll see how that all yeah, there was there was um, there's a great uh, tweet that went out uh, at polls and votes. Uh, friend of the show uh, tweeted out sort of a list. It's sort of a polling aggregation like his model. Um, this is Charles Franklin. He does the Marquette Law Poll. Um, it's sort of his take on on what these races look like. And he has races like Georgia, Iowa, Ohio, um, Arizona, pretty safe for Republicans. You know, Rubio, pretty safe. Um, at this point has, has to me actually looking pretty decent. Um, Burr, like, so then what's funny is that these races that we thought like, okay, Ohio, Florida, and Pennsylvania, these are going to be the Senate races that will be like hugely important. And those races are actually in a decent or better place for Republicans. Right. But then it's like North Carolina with Burr. If Clinton wins North Carolina and the Democrat wins the governor's race, how does Richard Burr get reelected? I mean, does, are there enough? DDR. Dance Probably Dance not. Revolution. DDR, <laughs> uh, voters. Uh, and then, you know, Missouri, you have, uh, candor that has like really surged recently against Roy Blunt. Um, New Hampshire is still insanely close. And then Nevada, of course, has gotten better for Democrats in with the last couple of polls. Wisconsin. And, but then, so control of the Senate, if Republicans lose Illinois, which this is projected, lose indiana which could be close republicans have been hammering evan by lately but the so it, that race is getting closer than it was uh but it's still still tough so if we lose indiana we lose illinois we lose wisconsin we don't pick up nevada and then lose new hampshire that's the senate right so that's that's the challenge right now is that even though a lot of these races like ohio and pennsylvania are looking better for republicans there's still enough stuff out there that's wobbly and scary for them that Right. Where this could 
that have been unstable now for a while that we don't we simply yeah. you know, and no one really knows where and we've said go. that a lot of these folks are able to outrun trump by a certain margin but if trump is losing by seven eight nine points you can't you can't outrun that wave it's just too it's hard gonna wash you out no it's it's just too hard and you know the other thing is a good reminder and to me i think as part is um, versus Burr as examples of this is, you know, you have to be a good candidate doing all the things you're supposed to be doing. Like, Toomey didn't wait for 2016 to roll around and be like, okay, here I am. I'm, t- here, I'm trying to distinguish myself from national Republicans. He's been doing it for uh, several years. Yeah. And, and Toomey's is a fascinating story, too. It's not taking like anything away from of- Katie McGinty, who I think is great and Democrats love and it's a good climate. But, you know, but Toomey has, you know, has made some outreaches and olive branches on guns to me mansion yeah and he what's fascinating is he was like a tea party yes, leader he was know. one of the yeah, head of club for growth yes was one of the ones that i didn't he take out arlen specter yes in that primary and so like was one of the i am not a, in the primary he was uh in the general uh oh i thought well I, oh yes no, no, specter was, 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 was a republican was a republican party, right and then that it kind of looked yeah 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 so that was arlen specter the arlen specter spectrum Yes. Um, so anyhow, that was the, the Senate is still looking pretty dicey for Republicans. And um, I think in the last three weeks, I don't know if it's there's time enough to shift resources away from the presidential, but it would not surprise me if that didn't begin to occur. Well, I'm right. The other thing, too, is um, Trump has taken money off some of the smaller markets in Pennsylvania. So whatever that means yeah. for anybody, I don't know. Um, but that's, you know, another sign that that state is not looking good. So last but not least, then for our show today. We want to leave you on a nice, gentle note. We're going to leave you on a gentle note. Well, so so USA Today did some polling with Rock the Vote of millennials that came out this week, showing Hillary Clinton at 68, Trump at 20. 20%. Yikes. I saw that poll and I was like, guys, guys, this, this we are living inside the, the selfie moat. Selfie vote the horror movie. <laughs> 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 I think you should pitch that here in LA. You're like, selfie vote meets the selfie vote, the reckoning. <laughs> like that's, that's what we're in right now. But they also did a story in USA Today on if kids, the generation after the millennials, if kids could vote, what would they do? And they also vote for Secretary Clinton. So it's 50- not in as large a margin as their millennial. Yeah, I guess so. It's it 52, but there's 153,000 students cast ballots. So 52 to 35. And I like how they also looked at all the battleground states and, and Clinton carried nearly every battleground state, which I thought was interesting. And, you know, I this past week spoke about the I volunteered to do this, speak about the election to Lucy's school. Now, these are three, four and five year olds. So you, I wanted to talk about the election in a very like uplifting way because it's so toxic. And I solicited thoughts on Facebook and I got some really good ones. I mean, some folks were, you know, so like someone said, well, just to, you know, have them watch a tape. It's tough out there, kids. Time to learn now. And other folks like have them do messaging. I'm like, no, no, they're three, three, four and five. Like they are too little to like come up with messaging. Like they, real basic, basic, basic stuff. And Bill Burton. You should give them little dials. Well, I gave like- them, I made, I made a ballot box out of a shoebox and I wrote vote on it. And I had, I read a book about voting that was, you know, and I wasn't sure it was so great about the message, but they're like, oh, ducks. I mean, it didn't matter. And then, um. And then I had them do two rounds of balloting. One was about what's your favorite dessert. This was inspired in part by Anna Greenberg, who's been on the show, you know, ice cream, cookies, or um, uh, cupcakes. And 
ice cream won hands down, but like lots of people voted for all three things. <laughs> and then I had a ballot of like voter it, fraud. It was a lot of overvoting and hashtag I, rigged. I know it was rigged a, election. It was a little rigged for ice cream. And then I had another thing. If you were president, what would you want all kids to have? Um, playgrounds, books, or pizza? <gasps> What did they pick? Playgrounds. Oh, okay. The, not pizza came in third, which is good. And it, it, when I read out the the results, and they all had to like line up and vote, and it was like real voting. Anyway, and I said okay, and playgrounds won. And people were like I win because I voted for playgrounds. I mean, their level of knowledge was very, very low. I mean, one kid, you know, I was talking about how the president has their own airplane and has their own um, bowling alley. Inspired, inspired a little bit by Bill Burton, who wrote that comedy. He's like talk about the airplane and the helicopter. I'm like, great idea. So I. I did that and this one kid's like oh ooh, ooh. i'm like yes and he's like i have a paper airplane at home i'm like great i mean that's like, that's like the level of awareness going on in this class but i was i, I it was a very nice experience because i felt like i wanted to live in the fantasy election that i was portraying for these very small children we are not voting between ice cream and cupcakes no. in this election <laughs> or playgrounds and books no, no. I, but I wanted it to be like, and I made stickers and I got like voting. I voted stickers, you know, the whole thing. And, um, it was kind of a nice little sanitized version of the election. So, and some kids tried to talk about Donald Trump and I moved them off sort of like at a focus group. They're like, my mom's voting for Clinton and my dad's voting for Trump. I'm like, yes, it's hard to know who to vote for. Anyway, ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about ice the cream. Children, the <laughs> toughest focus group. I know, right. Yeah. Okay, so what did we learn this week, Marjorie? So our key findings from the week, we're almost there, everyone. Surely we can at least agree on how many days there are left till the election. There are 18. Fact check. True. Is it okay to call someone nasty or a bad hombre or to shout wrong at someone who isn't wrong? What if you disagree with them on policy? Wrong. It's not okay. Fact check. No, you can't do that. Uh, Is it okay to fantasize about being in a preschool election wrong or to daydream about what shows you're going to binge watch after the election, which is what I'm doing currently. I know yes. I'm going to have to watch Unreal. Unreal. That's what I recommend. Uh, fact check. Yes, it is okay to do Wrong. that. <laughs> I'm going to start doing this every show. I will not do it. Maybe it is kind of liberating to do that. All Wrong. right, we'll save that for now. You can find us on Twitter at, at the pollsters. You can find us individually at, at Margie O'Mara and at K. Soltis Anderson or at www.thepolsters.com where you can find our show notes and our extensive link to polling resources across the web. Find us on Facebook. We are constantly posting links to the stories that we might talk about in the upcoming week also make sure you stay tuned um i think next week we're not going to be doing a video for abc's this week but the week after that most likely we will be so make sure you're liking the abc this week page so you can catch us for midweek updates um and make sure you subscribe to us on your favorite podcatcher bye thanks when we listen to the radio we never agree on the station classic rock hip-hop pop guys quiet The one thing we do agree on, we all want an awesome free phone. That's why we switched to MetroPCS. Stop by MetroPCS with the whole family and get four free phones of your choice from brands you love, like Samsung, Motorola, and LG when you switch. MetroPCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Free phone requires port. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions.